Welcome to Sizzling Arrow Outdoors, where we're going to cultivate, harvest, and prepare clean, organic food. I am Paul Rhodes, the host and founder of this podcast and the company known as Sizzling Arrow Outdoors. Well, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate having you here. If you've been with us for uh, any amount of time now, thank you for sticking with us. We appreciate you. And if you if this is the first time you are tuning into the Sizzling Arrow podcast, welcome. Thanks for joining us. And once you finish listening to this episode, go and check out the first episode. That'll break down really what we are about. And if you want it in more detail, go and check out the website, which is www.sizzlingarrow.com. And that breaks everything down really, really well. So Anyway, today's episode, we're going to cover something a little bit different than we normally do. Um, You know, we're not political here. We don't get into any of that stuff because it's just, you know, there's so many different avenues and uh, that you can take with that. And there's so many different resources out there that cover political issues and, you know, all that. But this is something that I figured was important to talk about. It kind of runs into what we are doing and the cause that we're looking to make awareness in. So what we're going to talk about today is the bill proposal that is happening in Oregon right now. It's called the IP13, I believe it is. Yeah, IP13. So we are going to talk about that bill proposal. And then there's also one that was happening in Colorado called the PAWS proposal, which, um, you know, that one was tossed out of the courts and sent back for re-evaluation. So, you know, at least that one was not pushed through. But anyway, what is IP13? So IP13 is a petition that is going around in the state of Oregon to, in their words, improve the animal abuse laws and make it to where more people are accountable for their actions when it comes to animal abuse. Now, Don't get me wrong. Um, Abuse and neglect to animals, we all can agree that that, that's not good. we, We don't want abuse and neglect to the animals. Every animal deserves to be treated well, taken care of. If they are on a farm and they're used for meat, they need to be treated well and taken care of with minimal stress throughout their lifetime and then taken... I don't want to say taken out. <laughs> that sounds that sounds kind of bad. But when they are harvested, it needs to be in a humane and quick manner to where they don't suffer. So we can all agree with that, right? Uh, we, we can agree that pets, cats, dogs should not be um, abused and neglected in the home. And we can agree that, you know, chicken fighting and dog fights are not uh, good. And we can agree that puppy mills are bad as well. And we can also agree that the big corporate agricultural meat producers that are stuffing animals into cages in large quantities and neglecting them in that sense is bad as well. But really, what is IP13 going to do for the large corporations? Well, I mean, we can only assume that if it does get passed, large corporations will probably have some sort of exemption in there. Because, well, we all know that they have different ties and higher up spaces to where they're not treated the same as others. Now, with this bill, it's primarily, uh, from my understanding, it's going to end up affecting our family farms. It's going to make it more difficult for them to produce. It's going to make it more expensive for them to produce. And ultimately, it's going to become 
too much for them to handle or too expensive for them to do to where they're going to ultimately have to shut down operation. And then we are going to end up being more dependent upon these big corporate entities than we are now. And I've got my own opinions about that to where the corporate entities, the big meat packing plants that are pumping all this food with different types of solutions, making it unhealthy. And I mean, if you eat these foods primarily, you're going to end up having different kind of, and I don't have any re like proof of this. So, you know, don't, don't ask me for proof of this, but I don't have any proof of this. This is just my opinion and my thoughts on this and just kind of from my observations. But if you're eating these corporate raised solution pump hormone added meats, it ends up adding health issues in my opinion, to the individuals that are eating this primarily and ultimately ending, having to go to the hospitals to get treated for these illnesses, which can uh, end up pumping more money into the pharmaceutical companies, which are backed by our government. And it's just a big circle. And that that is my opinion. And I mean, who knows? I could be completely wrong. I could be 100% right. Who knows? But it's my opinion and this is what I see through my observation and I don't want to dig too much more into that. I don't want to come across as any kind of conspiracy theorist or anything like that. But anyway, that, that's just my thought on that. But with this bill, at least in Oregon, it's going to make individuals more dependent on the government um, and the big corporate packers. So we want to try to avoid that. We want to focus on keeping our farms, our family farms operating and having a higher share in the market place to where they get a fair pay for what they do and not try to make things more difficult for them or unmanageable, if you would. So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of look at this bill. I've got it printed out here and highlighted in some sections, but what they did with this is they took the existing Animal Abuse Act bill or whatever from Oregon and they made some changes within this bill. So pretty much what they're doing is anything in the bill, and I'll put the link on here so y'all can go and look at it yourself. Um, but anything in the bill that is in italic writing is what they're looking to get rid of. So in section two says, one, a person commits a crime of animal abuse in the second degree if, except as otherwise authorized by law, that is in italic, Necessary to defend himself or her against an apparent threat or immediate violence, which, you know, that's common sense. If you're being attacked by, let's say, a dog or a bear or something, you should have the right to defend yourself against that threat. Um, the person intentionally, knowingly, or recklessly caused physical injury to an animal. So let's read that again. A person commits a crime of animal abuse in the second degree if, except as otherwise authorized by law, necessary to defend him or herself against the apparent threat of immediate violence, the person intentionally, knowingly, or recklessly caused physical injury to an animal. Now, in section two on here, this is in uh, italic, any practice of good animal husbandry is not a violation of this section. So they're wanting to remove that section two. So that pretty much leaves us a very very broad. It's not, I mean, it's broad anyway, but that leaves it even more broader to where they can just kind of make up things as they go. All right. So anyway, um, we're going to skip through these because really there's not a whole lot of um, changes in here uh, from pages two, three, 
Yeah, I don't see many changes in the actual law. So uh, on here, this is where things get a little bit fishy. And uh, you know, this is the one thing with this bill is that they, they put an inarguable subject. So everyone, like I said, can agree that animal abuse and neglect and people effing around with animals to get a personal sexual pleasure. We, we can all agree that's wrong and you know, disgusting. But what they're doing with this is that they're putting in things. They're hiding things in here or looking to take things out of this that are not in those categories, things that we enjoy to do and things that actually make good sense for animal conservation, farming practices, agricultural growth, um, feeding the public uh, healthy food, not solution crap, and also having that self-reliance that some of us are looking for to where we don't have to depend on other people We're looking for our independence to go out and harvest our own food or grow our own food and livestock and be able to do that without having to worry about the government or uh, whatnot or laws cracking down on us. So this is where it gets the, get, this is really where it got my attention. Okay. So remember everything that is italic, is looked to be removed. And we'll go over one other thing on their website here in a minute. So, okay, section seven ORS do not apply to. Okay, so those sections, pretty much this whole law does not apply to these things as of right now, but everything in here practically is italic. So letter A, the treatment of livestock being transported by owner or common carrier. So practically that's gonna be taken out. So it's gonna, be extremely difficult, if not impossible, to transport your animals to and from the processor. So that, that's not good. Um, commercially grown poultry is exempt. So, I mean, this could be good or bad, but it needs to be um, a little bit more detailed in this. So, you know, our, what is considered commercially grown poultry? Is it an operation of a certain size? Is it how the chickens are kept. What What is it? So that, that's really, really vague, but they're looking to take that out. So any commercially grown poultry would be gone. So we're, we're not sure exactly what that looks like. So pretty much if they had their way, poultry would not be raised for meat. So there you go. No more chicken. Animals subject to good animal husbandry practices. So any farming practices practically, pretty much they would get rid of that, those things that they do to manage their herds. So that, that would not be good. That would probably end up leading to more injury to the ranch hands and the livestock itself. E, the killing of livestock according to the provisions of ORS 603065, which is slaughter methods. Practically what, what this would do is just, it would make it nearly impossible for you to um, process your animals unless they die of um, old age. And we'll get into that in a second. Uh, right here, G, I mean, they're keeping F, which is uh, animal subject to good veterinary practices as described. Uh, G, lawful fishing, hunting, and trapping activities. So practically anything, all hunting, fishing, and trapping, any of the outdoor style activities that we enjoy and partake in to bring food to the table uh, would be gone in Oregon. And, um... You know, that, that I hate to see what the national parks are going to do if that happens, because we all know that conservation and 
dollars to the national parks and to the state come primarily from fishers, hunters, um, trappers, any of those outdoor style activities from outdoorsmen such as myself and others, we pay a lot of money into these conservation efforts and to keep the parks and everything looking good and nice. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see if this does get passed, how that is going to play out. Um, then you're going to have a bunch of overpopulated animals and it's not going to be good. Wildlife management practices under color of law. So pretty much wildlife management practices such as uh, what you see with outfitting operations, um, probably pest control, coyote thinning, herd thinning, deprivations for farmers. I mean, it on and on. So again, you're going to have overpopulation of the animals, which in return will at some point end up with the animals starving due to lack of food because it's going to be too many to supplement what is there. So yeah. So reasonable activities undertaken in connection with control of vermin or pests. So practically any kind of pest control of killing of the animal or trapping, I mean, it's going to be illegal. Mice traps, you ain't going to be able to use mouse traps. Um, no stick pads. Not that I use those anyway. I'd prefer to use the trap because it kills them quicker, but you're not going to be able to protect your crops. You're not going to be able to protect your household, uh, from pests that invade. So you're just going to have to deal with it uh, according to this, because if not, you will be held up by the, uh, by the law. Practically, you're going to end up having a, um, record if you kill a mouse in your house because he's eating your bread yeah okay uh reasonable handling and training techniques so anything to do you know i mean rodeos are already out um maybe herding cattle that would be probably out because you're having to use the horse for the cattle you're having to train the horses uh horse training uh dog training you know let's see what else police dogs that'd probably be out too because that you have to train the dogs and discipline them as need be um sport dogs i mean if you can't hunt you don't need a sport dog so there goes that too so anyway um that is pretty much this uh there's a similar thing that was in colorado uh, i mentioned that earlier but you know the nice thing about that is it got kicked out and they wanted to do reprovisions on it or the court said that it needed to be um more detailed. So they're still willing to look at it, but they wanted it rewritten. One thing that I failed to mention in this with the uh, Oregon one is that because they're making it difficult to process or take animals to and from the um, processing plant, they're wanting the animals to live their full life and die of natural causes before you can actually eat that animal. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I've had some old deer that I've shot and the older they get, the tougher they get, the more defound flavor they get or gamey, if you want to call it. And honestly, by the time a cow dies, unless you have a tracker on that cow, generally they go somewhere and die off in a field somewhere or in a little gully and you're going to have trouble finding them. So probably by the time you find it or realize that it's been gone out of the herd, it's probably been sitting out there for a couple days and that meat's not going to be any good. So they would rather, okay. They would rather the animal die and rot of natural causes, which honestly would probably be worse off for the animal, uh, 
more suffering for the animal than being humanely killed and provided for meat. Uh, most cows are taken within about one and a half years old uh, because that's kind of the peak time. But average lifespan of a cow is 20 years. So look, look at it this way. If a family farmer has to wait 20 years for the cow to expire, according to this law, to earn any kind of profit, how expensive do you think that meat's going to be? And if you can't go and get meat yourself, let's say if you can't hunt the meat, and you're stuck paying these astronomical prices because the farmer's got to make money one way or the other. The farmer's not going to be able to make the money because no one's going to pay $50, $60 for a steak, especially when the steak quality is absolute crap because it's from a old, dried out, unedible animal. So really, you're just setting the farmers up for failure if this thing gets passed. So... A lot of a lot of things, a lot of bad things that can happen with this bill. And again, I don't think it's going to pass, but we have to take it seriously because this is just another way that these animal rights activists and um, anti-hunters and stuff are trying to get their way through and make it illegal and difficult for us to do what we enjoy and live the lives that we choose to live. So practically, they're wanting to embark and force their way of living and their thoughts upon us. So with that being said, one last little thing on their yes on IP13.org. They have a question on it here. It said, would IP13 make hunting, fishing, and trapping illegal? It says, if passed, IP13 would remove the exception for hunting, fishing, and trapping from our cruelty law meaning that any practice that involved the intentional injury of an animal would be criminalized. Although the practice of seeking, pursuing, and in some cases even capturing an animal would still be legally protected, the practice of killing animals would no longer be protected. Many of those who are following the campaign are concerned about meeting the needs that they currently try to meet by hunting, fishing, and trapping. Those needs have included the need for food, the need for conservation, and the need for recreation, and many others. We want to help show how all those needs can still be met while also meeting the needs of animals to be free from unnecessary human-caused suffering. Within the state of Oregon, we have ample food as well as resources needed to distribute that food to every citizen. So practically, with that being said, that you would have to, instead of going out and gathering the meat and uh, stuff yourself, you would have to depend on the state or the government to provide that food for you or the big corporate packers to provide the food for you and just be and eat whatever is there um and as far as recreation we all enjoy kayaking camping and stuff like that but that's not going to bring the conservation efforts in it's not going to bring in wildlife management it's not going to uh, prevent overpopulation of the animals and uh okay like ultimately animal suffering in the long run um, with the predators such as mountain lions, bears, stuff like that. I mean, they're, they're going to have less fear of humans. So you're going to have more animal attacks more than likely, uh, if that goes into effect and the parks and everything, they're not going to be able to sustain a, enough money 
uh, the state's not going to gain enough money to keep up with the parks as well as they do now. So one year, they're probably going to have to start charging access fees for the parks. They're going to have to raise up any fees they have already. Taxes will probably go up because they're needing to compensate for the money that they're going to lose if they get rid of the hunting and fishing on that. Um, the one last thing that I want to say is that if this thing, if this bill or this proposal does get passed into law in Oregon. Now, some of you may be saying, well, you know, I live in Wyoming or I live in Montana or I live in, uh, I live in North Carolina. You know, why, why are we going to be concerned about this? So the reason we should be concerned about this is that if it goes through in one state, that is ammunition for the activist groups in every other state. And if you listen to, and I, I listen to it, and unfortunately I can't post it here on the podcast, but I listened to a interview with, um, what's his name? David Michelson on YouTube. It was a podcast or a, um, zoom interview with, I, I don't know what her name was, but just Google, uh, David Michelson and you'll find it. But they were talking about that and how it will help spread into other states as well. So they're openly saying that they're not planning to stop with Oregon. So that is one reason why we need to be concerned. And um, I don't know about you, but I don't want to end up having to switch over to eating just vegetables. I'm not a rabbit. Uh, We're all carnivores and uh, we should be able to eat meat and we should be able to enjoy it. But we also should be able to have healthy access to healthy, affordable meat as well. So yeah, with that being said, we definitely need to take a look at it. Um, take it seriously, make sure that, you know, we do our parts and one way that we can do our part to help spread the word and make it to where we have more people on our side of the aisle with this is to one, call out the bad practices that we see. There are bad practices that are in the hunting industry. There are bad practices that are in the farming industry. Um, you know, there, there's bad practices out there that are giving us the good guys, the ethical hunters, the ethical farmers, a bad name because all it is focused on is the bad apples. So it's similar to, you know, reviews, you know, you get, you know, a good review touches maybe two people, a bad review touches 20 to 30 people. So this is the same one good ethical hunter may be noticed by two or three people. A bad immoral hunter is going to touch a hundred people. So we need to be more thoughtful. We need to voice and spread the word about what actual hunting and ethical hunting and ethical farming is. And one of the ways that we can do that is by sharing this podcast, leaving comments and reviews, showing that people are actually listening to what I am putting out there and just getting the word out there more so and talking about the podcast. So if you want to help or you want to try to cut this off at the pass, if you would share this episode, talk to your friends, talk to your families, talk to your coworkers about what ethical hunting and ethical farming is about, how we need to stand up for our local farmers, stand up for our mom and pop operations, stand up for your neighbor that likes to go out and hunt animals for food to feed his family. Um, you know, the, the hunters that are out there providing meat to needy families, you know, the hunters feeding the hungry programs, you know, we need to bring this more into light 
so everyone can see that we're not the bad guys in this. And we're not going to change everybody's mind. We're still going to have people that are attacking what we like to do. Um, not saying that that's going to be, you know, this is going to be the do all end all, but this is one way that we can cut it off a little bit and just have our voices heard as well. So we need to stop being so silent with this and we need to stop pretending like these things aren't going to go through and that these things don't matter because they do. They do matter. If they keep getting pushed in there, the more people that are hearing it and the more lies that are being spread about the industries that we enjoy, eventually something is going to go through. Eventually something's going to happen to where then we're going to start bitching and complaining about it. And it's like, oh, well, you know, we need to do something about this. No, no, it's too late. We need to do something about it now. So share this episode, spread the words with your friends, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers. And I'll, you know, we just need to get in this together and make sure that our farmers are protected, make sure that our um, heritage and the activities that we enjoy is protected and make sure really the right to feed our family healthy, clean, organic food and meat, poultry is protected. Yeah. So this is all I really got to say about it. So again, make sure you share this episode, talk to your friends and family about it. Um, yeah, as always leave us a five-star rating. If you enjoyed what you heard today, if it got your blood boiling a little bit, um, you know, leave us a comment, tell me what you think about this. And if you have any ideas of how we can come together and help fight against the activists on the other side that are trying to impinge on our rights and attack what we enjoy to do and make it more difficult to feed our families healthy food and making it to where we're more dependent on these big corporate ag companies and making it to where we have to depend on the government more than we do already. So um, we need to stand up. So make sure if you liked it, leave a five-star rating and uh, leave us a review. Check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and check out the website, www.sizzlingarrow.com. You know, sign up for a membership. That's going to help too um, with the cause. Pick up some merchandise, get the name out there. And yeah, there's quite a few things that we can do to help. And I, I appreciate y'all listening and I hope y'all have a great day. And We'll be back here at the end of the month with the interview show with Carson Corey uh, with Buttermilk Creek and Final Draw. So I look forward to seeing you guys back then. I appreciate it. And in the meantime, get outside, get in the kitchen, make things happen, and enjoy the outdoors as we all should. Thank you all. Bye.